This podcast is brought to you by Avon and New Power Serum in partnership with Marie Claire. Hi, I'm Andrea Thompson, Editor-in-Chief of Marie Claire, and we're back with another episode of the Avon Power in Aging podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Michelle Griffiths Robinson. As a former Olympic athlete, Michelle knows what it's like to reach the top. Following her retirement, Michelle has built a successful career over the past 20 years as a lifestyle coach and personal trainer for a range of celebrities and companies, drawing on her own experiences to inspire people and unlock their potential. Michelle, you were an Olympian, which is such a huge achievement. Tell me about your journey towards being a professional athlete. Were you naturally gifted when it came to sport? I was a little girl from Wembley who had big dreams. I came um, from a family of four, working class, hard working class West Indian background. My father was Barbadian, my mother's Jamaican. And I think for me, sport wasn't a big thing for us because my father was very academic and really wanted me to really focus on on being this doctor and lawyer and a pharmacist and all the things that I never wanted to be. So sport was probably the least of our our thing in our house. We was always told to be active. So my brothers played judo, karate, I did ballet, um, and but I wasn't a ballerina. I was a natural sportswoman. I had the longest legs, um, huge breasts, which, you know, I went through a journey with that, owning that, big feet and a massive afro, you know, and, a, you know, <laughs> that is how I'd surmise me starting at 12 years old at the athletics track. Mm. With sport, ambition is so important, isn't it? I mean, it's crucial. You've got to want to be the best. Do you think... And I'm asking this now in the context of your role as a, a coach as well. Do you think that's something that we're born with or do you think you can instill it in people through mentoring and coaching? As a life coach, um, and I've been a life coach since 2009, I would say that is something that you can, you can change people's mindset. You can. Um, but for me, mine was intrinsic motivation. I'm intrinsically motivated, whether that's, you know, win the win the rounders game or to win you know the best triple jump or to do my best in my exams I'm intrinsically motivated and and that I don't think you you can buy you know you can harness for sure you know and I have many people on my client list that say to me you know I'm struggling and I ask them well tell me more tell me why you're struggling and it's for them to own why they're struggling you know it's not for me to tell them why they're struggling it's for them to decipher why are they struggling? What are you doing now? Where do you want to be? And sometimes that's hard for people, especially for women. It's hard for them to, them, them true facts are difficult for women. You know, when, you, when you're asking those real open questions and they feel almost paralyzed because they, they've got the answers, but they don't want to say it. But I'm saying sometimes when you say things out loud and clear, you then think, actually, why am I stopping myself from doing X? As a life coach, you know, and I know that you do coach a lot of women. What do you think are the main challenges that women particularly over 40 face? Is it external? Is it the confidence thing? Or is it a combination of both? I'm imagining that it must be, you know, a whole load of factors. There's a myriad of factors of what stop women over 40s from shining. For one, it's the confidence, the change in their body, um, the change in their circumstances, sometimes a change in their marital status. Sometimes, you know, in the relationship status as well. Sometimes with their children, grow, getting bigger, getting older. Sometimes not having children. So all of these different factors make you start, the, the doubt can creep in very quickly. And I think that's something that I'm there as a coach to empower women, to own 
who they are. Yeah, we're all there to do our very best. Stop competing against others and start competing against yourself. Yeah, you have spoken out, you know, very um, openly about the menopause and how it, 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 you know, it changed you as a person. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Because it, it is a, a, although, you know, even the survey that, that was conducted by Avon, three quarters of women actually say that they feel more confident about aging. However, there is still quite a lot of trepidation around the menopause and how it's going to affect relationships and work. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a real, there are real life facts out there. We can't pretend that they are happening. But I think the more that, you know, like Avon have said, you know, from their research, they will see that women are much more confident now because now we're able to more speak up about it and feel supported along that transitional journey of menopause and perimenopause, which is the early stage before you go into to menopause. And as an ambassador for the menopause charity, I feel that um, more because we're more speaking about it more often, um, we almost feel like as if, you know what, I've got a few allies here. I'm not on my own. And with everything in life, like me going back to my team sport, I couldn't have achieved that without my coach, my physio, my mentor, my psychologist, my husband. I couldn't have achieved what I've achieved without that, you know. And that's the same with going through this next transition. With women, we need a team around us to say, do you know what? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? I'm still in the perimenopausal state and I'm still learning. I'm on HRT and I'm still learning, you know, this estrogen's not making me feel great. Progesterone's not making me... And it's, a, it's about trial and error. And I often say to people, try it out. You know, more and more women are coming out and speaking about it. So therefore they are able to feel more like themselves. You know, and we mm. talk about marriages breaking down and relationships breaking down, women leaving work. 10% of women feel that they feel inadequate. So they leave work at this stage. Again, this is for us to raise awareness to our employees out there to say, what are you doing to support and champion your excellent women? We've got to really remember these women are excellent women that have held down brilliant businesses maybe gone on to have children, juggling aging parents. They are excellent women that you can't afford to lose. So what are you doing about it to make these women feel valued and supported throughout this transition? And that's what I would always, you know, I'm always champion women. My, my mission statement for me is empowering women and girls at every stage and every age. Mm. And I do think I mean, it's so sad, isn't it, to lose women at the peak you know, of their careers, when they've come into themselves and they've actually had all that experience. Um, when it happened to you in you know, your life, when these changes started happening, were there things that you did that actually eased things in terms of lifestyle changes or products that, you know, aside from the HRT, that helped with your journey? Um, I'm going to be very honest with you because, you know, this is about us being transparent as women as well. Having that, being able to have an honest conversation with my husband about the vulnerability, the anxiousness, the panic attacks that I felt, that has helped me enormously. And that's not a, that's not a lifestyle change, that's a vulnerability stage. And me being yeah. able to talk openly like that allowed me to think, he's got my back. Yeah, I'm not going yeah. mad, I'm not going crazy. But one of the things I would say when you're talking about simple things, journaling, writing down, how did you feel last month? And I know that sounds very cliche. Everyone's talking about journaling, meditating, but it definitely helps. It's, and, and I refer it back to, I know I refer it back to a, a lot about my training. I've always kept a training diary. So I could say, right, I'm, how did I perform last year? What am I doing different this year? And that's the same with our bodies, getting more in tune with our bodies. Yeah, making those conscious decisions to say, right, actually, 
I'm not going to drink as much. Monday to Thursday, no alcohol. Friday, give myself a chance to have one or two glasses because you do have, a, have to make these, these changes because actually we're going through changes. And, and, yeah. and I know people are fearful of change in every aspect of life, but change is good and change is welcome. And, and I feel very liberated, you know, coming into, you know, I'm over 50 now and I feel absolutely brilliant. Yes, I know my hormones are still all over the place and sometimes I'm a headless chicken. Sometimes I forget things, but in general, I feel fantastic. Can I ask if your beauty regime and the way that you look after your skin on your face and your body has changed as you've got older, pre-perimenopause and during? Yeah, um, for me, about two years ago, I had severe, I had like a breakout. And some people, no, in fact, it was longer than that. It was pre-COVID. And I got like boils on my face. And I went to see a dermatologist and she said, just I'll tell you what this is. This is perimenopausal. And I looked at her like, what are you talking about, lady? And how I, old were you then? Was that, was that before you, Right, you were before you were really expecting before to have that. Before I was really expecting to have six, that. Mm. And she said, I think you're perimenopausal. Stop using all these different lotions and potions on your face. Go back to the minimum and start afresh. So that's what I did. Mm. I, I got my base mark back to fresh again. And all I started using was a serum. Yeah, I use the serum, I use a night cream, I use a day cream, and I use SPF. Yeah, but my nutritious stuff, I really upped. So my oily fish, because that helped me a lot. I felt good inside out. Yeah, and so I say my beauty regime has become very strict. So before I would, you know, I'm not going to pretend. I would come in from a rave and I would just fall asleep with my makeup on. Now them days, they're over. It is taking <laughs> that makeup off, taking it all off, Adding, you know, Avon's got some fantastic products out there right now. Utilising what's on the market. You don't have to spend fortunes. And sometimes women can get really bogged down with, I have to spend. No. Trial and error. Find what works for you, what works for your pocket, what works for your circumstances. I want to go, I mean, what comes across from speaking to you is like that you're a very driven person and you are very, very motivated. Where does that come from? Does that come from, were you inspired by particular people as you were growing up? You know, you've spoken a little bit about your parents, but did you have people at an elite level that you were looking up to and wanting to emulate? Um, I'm going to be very honest again. There was only one athlete called Heike Dreschler, German long jumper, that I was in awe of. And I was in awe of because I went to, to Portugal and watched her train, how much she trained. Um, and it was during the tough times of the Eastern European bloc where it was really difficult. And I admired her from afar. But if I'm talking about on an elite level, on every level, my mum. Hmm. My mum came over here from Jamaica at 20 years old, from a little fishing place called Old Harbour in Jamaica. And seeing my mum's journey through going through racism, through going through everything she went through, a difficult divorce with my dad, a broken marriage all the illnesses and ailments that, that come and go, that everybody may have, the cancers and everything else. And I watch her and she, her glass is spilling over. Her spilling over, despite all the challenges she's been through. That's my role model right there. Because she gives and she gives and she keeps giving and it keeps coming back to her. And my mum always mm. says, treat people with respect and kindness because you never know when you may need that person. So my mm. role model and that determination is my mum. She always says, 
I'd come in from a competition and I'd say, Mom, I didn't win today. She said, never mind. Are you still fit? I said, yes, I am. Are you injured? No, I'm not. Next week's another week. So it would be almost quite flippant, but positive. Never like, oh, Michelle, you're not good enough. My mum always tells me, and one of the things I will say to women out there that have got girls, always tell your daughter how beautiful she is. Yeah, let her love herself. And my mum let me love me. She'd say to Michelle, you look splendid in that outfit. Even up to two nights ago, I'm going out, she said, she calls me Miss Amanda. Miss Amanda, that outfit is fabulous. Your makeup is fabulous. What's that lipstick? She shows an engagement and an interest in me. That's my role model. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm sure some of this positivity and strength and just mental toughness has seen you in very good stead because obviously you're talking there about rejection, you know, coming home, having terrible, you know, results, as all athletes do, they have those days. How has that equipped you for business, the world of business, which can be equally ruthless, let's face it. <laughs> the amount of no's I had is, is, is um, quite something. Um, it's been the best lessons I've learnt in life. And that's why I said sport has afforded me more than just a medal. Sport has afforded me a toolbox full of tools that I need to lead my life as a businesswoman, to lead my life as a woman, as a mother, to my two daughters and my son. Because it allows you to actually dig deep and think, well, what could be worse than when I snapped my Achilles tendon? Yeah, when I... So tell me about that. Like, I mean, like, you, I'm sure you had some sort of low points. Is oh. there anything that, you know, that, 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 that made you reach a sort of rock bottom that you're able to draw on now? Yeah, I'd say that in 2000 Olympics, I missed the qualification for the triple jump for Sydney Olympics by one centimetre. And... Um, I sat in my bed and cried for a week. My mum came up and said, Michelle, come on. And I didn't, I'm not a person that suffered from any mental health issues. And I was like, mum, in my own time, in my own time. And I, I literally sat in bed and cried for a week. Bearing in mind, what I say to somebody is, I couldn't change the outcome because I, the team's already been selected. I didn't perform, I didn't make it. But what I could do was, could I choose to sit in my bed and cry for another week? Or could I choose to use that as fuel to get up go to my local park and get some jogging in just to change my menta mentality. It wasn't easy. There was days when I thought, Do you know what, maybe this is it. I'm giving up. And this is that little intrinsic voice that says to you, internal voice, sorry, that says to you, come on, you're better than this. So what mm -hmm. I chose to do was get up, dust myself off. And part of it is pride as well, which a lot of people won't admit to. Recognise that actually, I feel a little bit embarrassed because I was a favourite to go, but that's okay. I'm still here. And what almost turned it, and it was a very sad a situation for me, one of my closest friends, her niece had, had taken her own life at the very same day that I was in my bed crying. And that switched me. She was 21 years old. And I thought, look at me here crying, when in fact one of my closest friends' family is broken from losing their loved one at 21. I've got another opportunity to go to another Olympic Games, to go to another World Championships, to perform again. And this young girl hasn't. And that was the turning point for me to say, do you know what? Put it to one side, park it and get on again. Yeah. And, you know, you then obviously moved away from that pressure. I mean, because that is a huge pressure, that sort of up, down, up, down, which must play 
absolute havoc with your adrenaline. Um, and you retired. How old were you when you retired? And how quickly did you go and set up another a bit? Well, set up your first business. Um, so I retired in 2006 at the, ironically, the Melbourne Commonwealth Games, which we've just seen the Commonwealth Games recently. And um, I retired there in front of my husband, my mum, my baby girl and my stepfather. They all flew to, to Australia. Um, but prior to that, seven years prior to that, I set up a personal training company. And the reason why I set that was because National Lottery weren't funding me anymore. So they weren't funding me anymore. So I said, right, I need something to fall back on. Like my mum had always said, need something to fall back on. My, my education was in French and Spanish. Um, I did some marketing work for DHL, but my passion was fitness. So why would I not go into that? So I, I'd already established myself and I really had some really high profile clients like Mel B um, was one from Miguel Porter. So from that, when I retired, it wasn't almost like what's next for me. It was what more can I do now? I've got more time, which is a slightly different reframing than starting from scratch. So um, I went from there, 2006 retired, had another baby. Um, so that was, again, juggling that. The struggle is, and the juggle is real. Um, and that really, I've gone from strength to strength since then. And there's been times where I thought, okay, what am I doing? Is this really what I want to do? And then I went into mentoring and then coaching. And I absolutely love coaching. And I, I would say that my biggest successes have been watching a young girl about 17, 18 years old, who was, who was written off, excuse the pun, by many people. And Southeastern Trains managed to get put on apprenticeship. And seeing this young girl now fly is probably being my, my, one of my biggest um, accomplishments, watching her through my mentoring program accomplish so much. And sometimes it's, again, that person being in the right place for you to give them advice. Mm. Sometimes it's you being, showing that vulnerability as well. And I said, well, I've been where you've been. Unfortunately, I've been in some abusive relationships which have seen me hit rock bottom. And coming out of that, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it's difficult for many people to see, but you've got to keep the belief and trust the process. Yeah. And, you know, setting up a business is something a lot of us dream of doing. You know, I'm always interviewing people that are like, oh, I'd love to do, you know, something on my own. It does take courage. Um, and, you know, you've got to get the investment and there are, you know, low points. Did you have any of those? And can you t talk us through them? Absolutely. The, the, you know, there's times when I was, you know, going on to my, my coaching course and I, and I thought, where am I going to find this money from? And it's about, and I would say to people, courage is one of them, what you mentioned already, Andrea, but it's also choices. You know, so I chose, you know, for that, those particular years to say to my husband, Matt, you know what, maybe we don't do those takeaways now because we're going to need all that money. You know, so, you know, where we'd have the takeaways, why don't we just start making it a curry night at home? Because you do have to make choices because, and sacrifices almost, because I always say you can't have it all at the same time. You can't have it all at yeah. the same time. And it's just making those little choices. So, yes, it is hard. But the first thing you have to do when you're starting out a business, say, are you truly invested in this? Do you believe in your product and your services? And if you do, start small and keep dreaming big. And that's all I've done. Yeah. I've, I've started off small with a handful of clients. Now I'm people are asking me to talk at big events. I'm doing corporate, corporate coaching. And some days it's quiet, Andrew. We, we, we mustn't pretend. But that's no reflection on ourselves. And that's another thing that women do. We do it a lot. You know, we, we, we think if the phone stops ringing or if we're not picking up a client or if we're not busy, something's wrong. Actually, no. 
It's just giving you time to take stock, reflect and re-energise and come again. What key lessons have you learnt since you've been, you know, retired from sport in a, in a, in a competitive sense? Um, and would you do anything differently? What lessons have I learnt? I've learnt many lessons, a myriad of lessons. Um, I think one of my key lessons will be to stop and congratulate myself sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm too ready to go on to the next thing, the next thing, instead of saying, do you know what, I feel proud of myself. Let me stop, let me take a couple of, a couple of weeks off and come again. Also, not being afraid to reinvent yourself slightly. So, you know, what's your market now? What are you promoting? I can't promote from a 20-year-old lens. I'm a 50-year-old lady. Yeah, but I can still promote health and fitness, but just not through those lens anymore. So I moved more away from the being hard on myself about, oh, I need to have a six-pack or I need to be in shape. I'm in shape for me where I need to be right now. And I think in shape might mean, look at it from the holistic point of view. Are you mentally in a great place, physically in a great place? Are you surrounded by great, good people? Do you have some form of dreams, aspirations to move forward? Because sometimes women feel completely paralysed when we feel stuck. Your definition of success changes, doesn't it, as you go through life? Do you speak to women who are putting too much pressure on themselves? Like we all do, actually, don't we? You know, to be perfect and... Absolutely. I speak to women um, all the time and a few men about, um, but more women are more open about it, saying the pressure to be perfect. And I say, perfect for who? And the, the biggest question I ask them all is, what, what does success mean to you? Because your success, my success changes on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a yearly basis. You know, what I planned in January is very different to what I plan now. So success for me will be my daughter getting into a university and feeling happy. Her university of her choice, that's success for me. Because that impacts the whole family and impacts me. From a selfish point of view, it will do. You know, um, so I think that women need to be very clearly defined of what does success mean to them. And recognise that it, it sways, it goes in waves. You know, and be kind to ourselves. One of the things I said to my client the other day, tell me something, what would you say to your best friend? And she looked at me and she went, I wouldn't say that to her. I said, so why are you not doing that to yourself? Be kind to yourself. We talk about self-care all the time. What does self-care mean to you? Does self-care mean going on the internet and buying the most expensive shoes? Or does self-care mean putting, sitting in a bath, listening to a podcast, putting on the speakers, lighting a candle? What does it mean? And, and we're all different. There's no wrong or right answer. But actually honing into what that means to you and your circumstances. Yeah. And I think as women, we are just... You know, we naturally can put our objectives and dreams on the back burner to serve others first. It's just that, you know, I think it's often the way that we're conditioned. And you, you almost have to make a conscious decision that you're not going to let people push boundaries. You are going to look after yourself. Is that something that you find you have to... <laughs> you're nodding. Yes, obviously. <laughs> Oh dear, Andrea, I was at an event the other day and a lady said to me, how do you find time to train Michelle and to do it all? I said, I don't. I said, I said, don't, don't, don't watch the gram. Don't watch that. I'm going to tell you how I work it. I'm very clear and I've had a family meeting over the last, actually since the pandemic's really helped me because I've now got parameters and boundaries in place so that I can feel fulfilled. Yeah, and it's not every day I can say it's a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. But at least I'm a seven and a half out of ten. I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. 
but I reach out and ask for that support. So I'll say to my kids, kids, look, I really want to go for a run, but I need you guys to help me with the dishes today. The dishwasher, I need the place hoovered up, hoover up the dog here. And who's doing lunch? And someone said, well, I did it yesterday. I said, well, please, can you do it today then, Reese?" Eden would say, well, mum, Reese, you do it now and I'll do it tonight. It's a team effort. Because mm. it's not just me. But we each want to get what we want to get out of it. So it's about making sure your boundaries are clearly in place. Sometimes it's about saying no. That word is so powerful. We, as women, we are conditioned to say yes to everything because we want to be pleasing everybody. But, and that's what I said to this lady a few days ago. What's wrong with saying no? She said, I don't know how to say no. I don't want to upset anybody. I said, but you want to upset yourself. And when I said that to her, I said, so you're happy with upsetting yourself? And you just told me you feel overwhelmed. So you're happy being overwhelmed, upsetting yourself because you don't want to say no. I said, have a think about mm. it. I said, say it out loud in the mirror. And she was like, Michelle. And so she sent me an email to say, Michelle, I absolutely loved what you had to say. Can I book you for some sessions? I said, yes, but not now because I'm too busy. <laughs> because again, <laughs> I'm protecting my own self. You mentioned that you're, you know, you actually coach younger people as well. What are the main challenges you think that young people face now? I've been saying a whole, we were talking about this just this morning, funny enough. I would say that young people are faced nowadays with a lot of comparison to others. They compare themselves way too much um, and they don't look after themselves in their mental health enough. You know, they're onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And again, the stop, breathe and pause, you know, which I say, stop, just take a breath, take a breather. It's okay. They don't do that enough. They're, they're, they're definitely better in terms of, and you've seen a, a big transition over the years of people more taking care of their fitness. So young people are much more into that than before. You know, I see so many more girls in the gym doing weight training than ever. I'm talking young girls, 16, 17, 18 upwards, really paying attention on being um, stronger rather than, than the stick thin woman that, that was used to be present when we were younger. Um, so I see much more of that. But I think the challenges are there much more than when we were, because of social media, which we can't deny has its, its pluses and its negative vibes about it. Um, but it's down to us as adults to let them know it's okay, you're going to be okay. And life isn't always plain sailing. I read an excellent article last year in one of the tabloids speaking about um, a bit of stress leading up to exams is good because it means you care. But mm. let's reframe that. Let's reframe that in terms of as soon as you mention the word anxiety, it makes people almost feel straight away like anxious. The word itself is very powerful. So just say it's okay to feel a little bit stressed because it means you care about what's next. But mm. whereabouts are you on that scale? And I often say with, with a lot of my students here before, let's go one to ten. Where would you say you are? One being really, really stressed and ten being really chilled. And they say six, seven. I said, that's okay. Maybe six, seven's okay. It's when you're going up to nine, ten and, you know, or the other way round, so to speak, depending on how you do it. The traffic light system, when you feel like you're completely out of control, come to me before that. But it's okay to have that element of, I want to do good. Because life is hard. We mustn't pretend that it's not hard. We've all had challenges. Going from having no children to one child, that's been the biggest opening, eye-opening in my whole life. Because I, I couldn't believe that this little person, I was responsible for this little person. And that I couldn't just go out and pop to the shops without not considering this little person. I couldn't just go and do a yoga class or a fitness class without not considering this little person. So, you know, we, 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 life is not easy, but it is what you make it, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, how do you manage that anxiety in yourself? Have you, I mean, have you ever felt it? I'd imagine there must be anxiety when you're competing. And you also touched on it, you know, uh, when you were starting perimenopause, that feeling of panic and panic attacks. And I wanted to just revisit that because panic attacks are another one of those things that are really stigmatised, aren't they? How did, how, how did you cope with them? And have you got any tips that you can pass on? Well, for first and foremost, I've never had a panic attack. I only know my friends, my two of my closest friends have had them. And from how they've described it, they are very real and very deep and feel like as if you are actually not going to make it from how they've described it. Um, for me, I've had anxiety where more so, and I'm going to say more so, in my 40s. Really? Yeah, that, the lack of oestrogen. The lack of estrogen and watching my mother, my my father died unexpectedly last year. My stepfather died of COVID and that coupled with me being perimenopausal brought around anxiety and the lack of estrogen in my body. So that's when I was, I would just jump up and say to my husband, Matt, 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 I need to speak to you. I just felt like as if I couldn't cope. And this is me who's comes from a very good mental health. Yeah, I felt like I couldn't cope, like just the fear the fear of my mum dying was getting me almost into a state. And so, and I'm very aware of that, but not every woman is aware of what their body changes. Again, we have to touch on the hormonal things, what the hormonal changes, that, that how it exacerbates itself so much more in this state. And it's kind of hard for, um, it must have been challenging for him to get into your your mindset. Was he scared at, yeah, at, at that point? Absolutely. He'd be like, Mish, 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 what's the matter? And I'm like, Matt, I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm just scared. I feel scared. Just hug me, just hold me. And fortunately, I'm married well. I married a very open-minded man who's willing to accept that, you know, his wife is changing and he might not really, you know, get what he wants all the time. Um, but he's supportive of me. And, and he, we've spoken about, and he said, Misha does say, Misha does say, you know, lack of estrogen does cause anxiety and panic attacks and stuff like that. Maybe it's more of that than your stepdad. And he said, coupled with the fact that your mum is aging and your mum's your best friend, you know. So he would then coach me uh, in an in a indiscreet way and say, what can we do about this? And then that's when you break it down. And that just that question, remember again, going back to the open questions, allows a person to stop take a pause and take a breath. And I'm sure that from that perspective, you've able to been able to talk to other men who are supporting their partners and wives through this situation, because that's one of the biggest challenges, isn't it? You know, the ignorance, you know, not through any fault of anybody's, just that people are not, you know, of certain age and not actually educated about this. The amount of men I've heard Matthew speaking to and saying, oh, my wife's an ambassador of the menopause charity, so I kind of know a lot about it through through <laughs> vicariously through my wife. And I'm like, Matt, stop telling everybody that. He said, I do. I just I hear your conversation with your girls. And I and he said he says to them, you know, tell your wife, you know, really research about it. Go onto the Balance app. Look up Dr. Louise Newson. He's always plugging it through me. And and I would say, you know, it's again about the power of our voice passing on those positive messages so that we don't feel like we are going through this on our own. Mm. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. And um, I think there's just so much there to pass on to, the, to everybody listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.